0: Maybe you've seen news reports of ISIS fighters getting pushed out of northern Iraq. Even now, parts of the city of Mosul have been freed from ISIS. That's great news, right?
1: I've heard that from many friends of mine.
0: Charles Morris just visited northern Iraq, and he says it's a little more complicated than that.
1: The fact is, most people have nothing to go back to. In in two towns that I was in, they booby-trapped every front door to every church, thinking that if Christians were ever able to come back, they would kill a few more off as Christians tried to enter their church and worship. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Later on the program, we're going to hear a report from Charles Morris, who just returned from northern Iraq. But last week, we heard part one of my conversation with Lauren Cunningham, the founder of Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. If you missed any of that interview, you can hear it all at vomradio.net. You know, at the end of the program last week, Lauren Cunningham was telling us about the connection between Bible distribution and revival. He's seen what happens when the body of Christ faithfully gets the Bible into the hands of those who have never had a Bible before.
2: Look at the Hauga movement in Norway. Look at the, the Franca movement in, in Germany and the, the Moravians and so on. I can show you that there was always Bible going out in front. It lays the carpet when the, the Holy Spirit and the Word come together. There is, at that time, an explosion into society at large. We're talking about atheists coming to Christ. We're talking about the vilest sinners coming to Christ. They all start turning in great numbers. I can show you that in, in the history of, of, of Korea. They were the hermit nation, always cut off, always invaded. They were invaded 934 times. But uh, King Sejong said, my people are poor because they can't read, and he gave them a new script. But for 400 years, nobody did anything about it. He kept it alive, few did. And those two young men that did know that went up to Manchuria, two Korean young men in the 1880s, and uh, met John Owens. He was a missionary from Scotland, and he led them to Christ, and then he started teaching them from the Word. And they were so enthralled. They said, well, we've got to have this from our language. And that's the beginning of their coming out to the nations of the earth. I can show you their history. But they went back home, started two churches, one each, and they began to teach people the Bible. And as people learned the Bible, in that generation, they had the 1907 great spiritual awakening, started with revival of the saints, with confession and repentance. Judgment begins at the house of God, and then they began to go into it. began to go into the nation, and multiplied thousands came to Christ. Now, we have a descendant from uh, Andrew Murray in South Africa, and on staff. So I asked her. I said. You know the story very well there in Worcester, South Africa. Who all was hit by the spiritual awakening and came alive and many people saved? She says, well, our whole nation. What do you mean your nation? I said, uh, you mean the Afrikaans speaking and the English speaking? Yes. They all had Bibles and it, it hit all of them. I said, what about the Mdebelis? What about the Kosas? What about the Zulus? What about all these others? Oh, it didn't hit them. They didn't have Bibles in their language. But globally, when the Bible is in everyone's household, or at least available to them, they can see a spiritual awakening, and it will bypass the ones that don't want to do anything with the Bible. But when you start imbibing, engaging with the Bible... And you begin to submit to what God is saying in the Word with the Holy Spirit's revelation. Otherwise, it's a letter that kills. But it's a letter that brings life whenever the Spirit and the Word comes together. And it can happen globally. And that's what I believe because God's given us the digital generation. He's given us satellites. He's given us every way possible that we can now not only deliver it but follow through with it And we're boots on the ground. We get to see some of the great results right out there. And I believe that by 2020, we can at least get a recorded uh, scripture in every language on earth. And we're working on the last 1,776 languages with no, not one scripture whatsoever. And we're believing God as we put the Jesus film in it and then the, the Word of God in their mother tongue we're going to have an explosion worldwide.
0: Amen, amen. I want to ask you. You mentioned five million people who have been on a short-term team with YWAM. What's the difference between an American Christian before a short-term mission trip and that same American Christian after they do do that trip? What what changes in them?
2: Well, first of all, they get, we get too ego. Uh, centric in America. Everything's for me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in need of something else. And and we need prayer because we need to look out. We need to look to others. And when you do, you'll find yourself. You can't discover by searching the will of God. You do it by serving. And when you serve, others will see what God's gift and calling it is in you before you even see it. So I think it's really important to... Look out over the harvest fields of the world. And uh, we're 4.5% of the world's population as America. That's all. And we often think we're 100%. (laughs) But you get out there and you find out there's need out there. Yes, there is. There's also answers out there. More than half of our staff, full-time staff, is not from the Western world. It's from the poor countries of the world. And they go to other countries, including rich countries, and all by faith. None of us get salaries. I don't get one to this day. I don't have an expense account, you know, waiting for me to travel and all. I'm praying through, just like every YWAMer is, what my next need is. And so as we do those things, though, we start seeing God change people's lives, and that changes my life. Lauren,
0: last question, or maybe— Part A of the last question. Um, What does the word legacy mean to you?
2: Well, for us in YWAM, we have four legacy words. And one was the first one on literally the saturation. We've seen, yeah, five million, but I saw more than anything YWAM could ever have of a move of young people across the world. and. That became a legacy word for us. We are called to go where we're not. Not just go where we are, but we have to look and see where the Word of God hasn't gone, where Jesus hasn't been shown, lifted up as Jesus, not only as Savior, but Lord. And when we see that, we know we're not there yet. We're not there. And so another word he gave was in... 1966, it was a woman in a faded red dress down in Mexico, and we would broken down on a vehicle, and so I, I figure if the devil caused that, we're going to do what he doesn't want. <laughs> so we put a gospel of John in every home, and we, we had a message of salvation and so on, and then we had to open our services while the guys were fixing it, uh, fixing the equipment. And so a woman came up to me as we were getting ready to get in to the vehicle's, And she said to me in Spanish, she said, Do you have a Bible in Spanish? I've looked everywhere. No Bible in my whole town. So I've gone to the towns around it, and no one knows about the Bible. Do you have one? Oh, man. We found her one, but we didn't have a Bible. She wanted a Bible. She had a gospel. That was good, but that wasn't the Bible yet. Whole Bible. And so... As a result, uh, we're driving down the road, and I I saw one of these movies in your mind, you know. I saw a great big bulbous-type truck, like a moving van, not a semi, but a big bulbous truck loaded with Bibles. And on the side, there was a circular thing, solo los deshonestos temen la verdad, and la Biblia gratis. And so here it says, and I, I don't think in Spanish, I had to translate it, and I'm not that good, but I I knew what that said, and I'd never heard it before. Only the dishonest fear the truth. Free Bibles. And so we were going toward Nicaragua, but we stopped in Mexico City, and I went to the Bible Society, and I got 50,000 New Testaments. That's all I could get. Had to call friends and even a few enemies to get enough money to pay for it. But uh, we, we got it, and we went to all the campuses. Now, at that time, communists were really, Marxism was huge on campuses, and we're getting out the Bible. And I, I watched what young people did as they, I was young myself, as, look at what they did when they got a Bible. It really settled something in their hearts. And it's a war that's going on. Militant atheism is on the rise since Charlie. It was in Paris. And uh, when those two were killed, there's only 60,000 that were their subscribers. And one week later, after the leaders marched arm in arm, saying, Je suis Charlie aussi. I'm Charlie too. And they were doing it for freedom of speech. But I felt that the Lord said, "This is a a mark. Watch it. You'll see Isis go down, but it, militant atheism is, is coming up, and that's what they were. In one week, they went from sixty thousand to five million subscribers. That was an announcement from hell, and they will attack us, and we will have more martyrs. And so, as we're we're looking at this this whole whole picture, the third legacy word was." in August of 75. And my, my family and I were taking a week off in a borrowed cabin up in the Rockies, and uh, in Colorado. And uh, the first morning there, I was waiting before the Lord with a yellow pad. I, just just waiting to see if he would say anything. And he gave me, a, like a dictation, seven doors to educate or to to teach a nation and i call them seven spheres now taking that from paul in a certain translation there in chapter 10 of second corinthians and seven spheres of influence now there's five spheres of of authority or domains but the seven and they do overlap but but if we use the ones of influence it those are generic because if you go to a little tribe, like the Suaraha people in Amazon, 145 people. They have all seven. Mm -hmm. But they also have all seven in New York City, but they have many, many layers in each one. But they all go back to to the seven. I found all that out. I didn't know any of that. Lord just gave me that. I wrote it down. And then I got a call from the ranger station. He came up on his bike and said, you have a call back there. And it was uh, Bill Bright, And Vonette were in the state at the same time over in Boulder. They said, can we meet? And I said, sure. They're great friends. And so I I put my, you know, yellow pad paper with that list on it in my pocket. And uh, we got in there, and Darlene was greeting Vonette, and I was starting to greet Bill. And I was reaching for my paper, and he reached for his, and he beat me. (laughs) He had the same list as I did. Wow! He said, look what Lord's shown me. Lord, this is how we can disciple a nation. He said, disciple all nations. And, and I said, look at my list. And uh, so I, I couldn't sue him for copyright <laughs> infringement. <laughs> Kidding, of course. What a dear brother. And three weeks later, my wife was listening to uh, uh, Dr. Francis Schaefer on television, and he gave the same list. And so we realized this was something for our time. Yes, it's been there. Abraham Kuyper and many others way back but uh, this was something new and fresh for our time. And uh, so that's a legacy word. But the fourth one is to end Bible poverty now. And if you'll go on, if it's all right, Absolutely. To, to a website, and And we ask the question, will you pray? Be one of one million praying. And we're asking them to pray, put their name and the country they're from, because we'd like to have people praying in every country of the world and praying that we will end Bible poverty. And that will end other kinds of poverty. And that will end a whole lot of things because heaven and earth pass away, but not my word. Mm -hmm. And so as we understand the power of the word, then uh, on that, you can get a free download of my latest book, which is called in Bible poverty now, (laughs) and I just finished it just about four weeks ago, and uh, so I put up there free. I do see that uh, legacy words from the Lord are some of the most important things we can have. Cherish, but obey.
0: Lauren Cunningham, thank you so much for your ministry, and thank you for being with us today on VOM Radio.
2: Thank you, what a delight to be here at your wonderful place with your wonderful staff.
0: We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Lauren Cunningham. He is the founder of Youth with a Mission. As always, you can hear this entire interview again at VOMradio.net. You can also hear our conversation with Lauren last week. We'll also give you a link to learn more about End Bible Poverty Now, which is the latest book from Lauren Cunningham. In the minutes that we have left today, I want to give you some up to date information about Iraq. And and our guest is Charles Morris. He's the president of Haven Ministries and the host of the radio program Haven Today. You can get more information about him and about his ministry at haventoday.org. The particular reason that we wanted to talk with Charles is that he has just recently returned from northern Iraq. In fact, He met with some of the same people that I have met with and other VOM staff have met with in that part of the world, but he has kind of a firsthand account of what's going on right now. If you watch the news, you see that ISIS is being pushed back. Christian villages are being liberated, but that's leaving behind something that Charles is going to share with us. So Charles, Welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: Todd, it's great to be with you for the first time, and you're so right. You get in that part of the world where the Lord is truly on the move, and yet it's not that big a world. Uh, You may have many miles separating people, but it's just Christians know each other. And you've seen that, of course, before, as you just said, and I've seen it myself. And uh, yeah, we're in a remarkable time. And sadly, I think, Todd, we're not hearing as much as we need to hear out of the Middle East, partly just because... An inauguration, a new president of the United States, there is political theater like we have never seen going on in Washington. And yet there is this tremendous need that Voice of the Martyrs, you guys, you guys have been sounding the alarm for Christians in the West to do something for decades now. And I just praise God for what you're doing And the fact is, ISIS is not going to be driven out overnight, even though the PR releases try to make it sound like that. Yes, they've reached the Tigris River, but once they go to the west side, which is the older part of the city, uh, the streets are narrower, the buildings are much older. In fact, one of the things ISIS did was actually destroy the ancient gate to Mosul or Nineveh, which Jonah would have crossed. And of course, they want to stamp out history as well as religion that's not their own or their brand of Islam.
0: Exactly. Can you tell us, because I know you went to some of the villages that had just been liberated from ISIS. What What's left? What What is, you know, I think of uh, some of the Christians that I met there had fled those villages, and they at the time were like, yeah, we want to go back. Well, what's left for them to go back to now hmm. that ISIS is gone?
1: Hmm. But now that we've got ISIS out, everybody can go back home. Uh, I've heard that from many friends of mine, professing Christian friends in the West. The fact is most people have nothing to go back to. Yeah, You've got the ancient uh, Christian towns, cities. I'm thinking of Karakosh being the largest, about 60,000 people. Uh, when I was in Karakosh a little more than a week ago, there was one little tiny shop selling... Uh, Selling Arab tea, hot tea, heavily sugared in little (laughs) glass cups. You know what I'm talking about. I know
0: exactly what you're talking about.
1: Turkish coffee. And while I'm a coffee hound, I'm not a Turkish coffee hound. And a lot of soft drinks and chips. That's the only commercial activity I saw in a town of 60,000. Wow. Uh, ISIS didn't want to leave anything left. And uh, not only that, in in two towns that I was in, Karakosh being the larger one that were ancient Christian towns, they booby-trapped every front door to every church thinking that if Christians were ever able to come back, they would kill a few more off as Christians tried to enter their church and worship. Houses have just been blown up. It's just like they threw incendiary bombs in every one of them. But then in places like churches, they just threw the booby traps in there. And and what's interesting is because ISIS inherited a lot of ammunition, a lot of firepower that the Americans had left for the Iraqi army, And the Iraqi army fled ISIS, even though they were numerically much greater, they fled. They left all of that. And so it's now estimated that the number of landmines, the number of IEDs, booby traps, this is the largest number in the history of combat, even more than World War II, even more than Korea, even more than Vietnam. And so... It, all of that has to be cleaned back before people can go home and at this point the insides and the outsides of houses are scorched and bombed and And I didn't just see it in the Christian villages too I was over at the town of Sinjar at the base of Sinjar Mountain that was 100,000 people where um, at the base of the holy mountain for that ancient people group uh, the Yazidis strange people group I say strange I, I shouldn't but that's what it struck me as, people in the Middle East with blonde hair, red hair, blue eyes. And I asked the prince of the Yazidis, their leader, a couple times back when I spent a day with him, I said, can you explain this? And he just laughed. And he said, well, don't people where you live, some have brown eyes, some have blue eyes, some have <laughs> hazel eyes, whatever. And he's right. He's right. ISIS had a scorched earth policy. Yeah. And You know, in my lifetime, having been a secular journalist earlier in my life, and I mean, I've been to a German concentration camp, Dachau, nicely cleaned up, but it was still rather sobering. Not rather, it was sobering. When you are standing there by a crematorium thinking what the Nazis did to the Jews. Well, I had even more angst last week when I was... In the town of Sinjar and around there where 5,000 men were slaughtered and it's mass graves, but they didn't even try to bury them. So you see clothes and you see human bones that in less than two years have become bleached out. Uh, four of us, uh, my colleague that I took with me, four of us just stood and we held hands and we just prayed, what evil is this that has come upon this world that we're in? And ISIS is not going to be finished just because we cleaned them out of Mosul, but it's going to take months more to do that.
0: Yeah, and that and, was uh, that was one of the questions I had. The The people there, do they feel like ISIS is being defeated or do they just feel like they're being moved to other areas that they're going underground and waiting to pop their heads back up again i think there's
1: a i think there's both going on isis has already sent some of their families into the side of the good guys east so, yeah, yeah, I would just have to say it's both. Mm-hmm. There's been a massive retreat back into Syria, which is not too many miles away, Raqqa being their main capital city. But, of course, you know, they're setting up shop in other places, too. They're setting up shop in Afghanistan. You know, it's yeah. estimated by some they could be larger than the Taliban in not too many months, and then they're setting up shop in the Philippines. ISIS is not dead just because we throw them out. But I but I should mention, I mentioned a sobering thing a moment ago, but the other sobering thing is uh, the estimates are that when the reinvasion, the retaking of Mosul first started, which was in October, this last October, of the ISIS troops killed initially, 300 were child soldiers. Wow. A U.S. Special Forces team leader was telling me his estimate was ISIS has 2,000 soldiers left in Mosul. That may not sound like many, but you're talking about guerrilla warfare. It really is a lot. Yeah. And the traps that they've set and the tunnels that they've dug. But of those 2,000, it's estimated one-third are child soldiers. I'm not talking teenagers here. I'm talking child soldiers. And... The sobering status that you see just keeps going. I I was in Karakosh again that I mentioned a moment ago, and uh, this Iraqi soldier who was helping us stay safe and go through this area, uh, he took us into this one room, and the translator I had with me, who was a Kurdish journalist, he said, Look at that whiteboard, which would have been in what we would call a Sunday school classroom. On the whiteboard was the curriculum for the school that they had put in place after they took over the city and before everybody fled. Three hours every morning, Sharia law, little physical fitness. But the rest of the day was teaching how to handle weapons, fire weapons, how to build bombs, how to kill. Wow. It was a terror school for children. And that's back to the evil that's going on. Yeah. But, you know, Todd, you've heard this yourself. You've been there. What you hear from local pastors where this great revival is, is underway, even at the same time that evil is the way that the revival is being used by the Lord and is being started. You hear this from the pastors. It's the end of Genesis. You know, what ISIS meant for evil, God is using for good. And I think uh, we need to not forget that.
0: Absolutely. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Charles Morris. He's the president of Haven Ministries. He's also just returned from northern Iraq. Charles, as we wrap up, we always want to equip our listeners to pray. So can you help us know how to pray for northern Iraq and these areas that are being liberated from ISIS right now? How, How do we lift them up and how do we pray for those areas and those people?
1: Well, this may sound a little pat uh, as an answer, but for the new book that I just did, and then the book that Voice of the Martyrs, you guys put yours out uh, last March, I think, the fact is the Lord is really on the move. And in the new book, Fleeing ISIS Finding Jesus, a hundred people that I interviewed Muslims, Yazidis, nominal Christians, have now come to faith in Jesus Christ. So, yes, we pray for physical safety for people, for especially young girls to be rescued from ISIS as they've been sold in the slave block of of Raqqa, and for Christ to keep sending dreams, for Bibles to suddenly appear in a part of the world where there aren't Bibles. It is the kingdom of the Lord that's on the move there. And we need to pray for his kingdom to come there, but also at the same time for his kingdom to come in our lives.
0: Absolutely. Charles Morris, thank you for being our guest today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for your work sharing the stories. Like you say, we we see all the bad news on the evening news, but there's some good news too. God really is at work in these nations even among people who are complete enemies of the gospel, God is still reaching them, and that's an amazing story that needs to be told more. Mm.
1: Thanks, Todd. It's good to be with you.
0: We've been hearing from Charles Morris. He's the president of Haven Ministries. You can find out more about them at haventoday.org. Next week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, you're going to come with me on a trip to China. We're going to hear from one of our VOM contacts that is helping us distribute Bibles in China. And by the way, his work is illegal. So get your passport ready for that trip and join me next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.